guys, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast of Faith Church in Indianapolis. I'm Claire Kingsley, and I'm here with Pastor Joey this morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, Joey, on Sunday, you preached from Lamentations chapter 2. Um, hardest sermon you've ever preached yeah, in your life? Uh, Yes, I Most think difficult. so. It's yeah. the closest I've ever come to passing out before preaching. Mm, Jenna said you were looking really sick. Yes. Uh, peaked, maybe, was the word, if that's even a real word. And by sick, I don't mean like rad. Right, yeah, not in a good way. No. Um, no, I, I came downstairs right beforehand, and she was like, did you just throw up and or pass out? Mm. I was like, um, almost? Ugh. Yeah, it was well, rough. I remember, um, like, I think the day before I recorded Cover Time with Jeff last week, you said just this idea of your sermon would be comfort from the destroyer. Right. And that really stuck with me. I almost put it as a hook in uh, Jeff's cut for time. Like, on Sunday, <laughs> this is what Joey's going to be preaching on. And didn't. But um, why don't you give us just a quick recap of yeah, your yeah. sermon and... Um, yeah, fly over. Yeah, so in Lamentations, um, for context, the, the book of Lamentations is a, it's kind of a, uh, a service order. Um, and I mean, you could, we could call it a liturgy because it's got all the words there too, but it's basically an every year on the anniversary of the destruction of Jerusalem, like go through this book, read it out loud, almost um, act it out, out loud as a way of continuing to help the remnant that's that's stuck there in Jerusalem, which remember, like only the poorest of the poor were left behind, um, some of the poorest of the, the priests. I mean, it was not, I mean, these weren't people who had a lot of resources that were left behind living in the rubble with no food, agriculture was destroyed. I mean, there was, it was subsistence living basically as they're scrounging for food. And, and it, but even in that bare survival mode, there was still time taken to stop and transform their grief into lament. And so the Book of Lamentations um, takes the congregation through the basically the grief process that moves from just um, utter devastation at the beginning to beginning to address it in light of who God is, to remembering important things about God. Pastor Jeff's going to talk about that this coming Sunday from chapter 3, uh, to ultimately um, expressing the grief in the form of lament. Uh, and lament is maybe best defined as, as grief or sorrow, but expressed with a backbone of hope. Mm-hmm. So in Lamentations 2, in chapter 2 of this narrative, they're just beginning to... Uh, the, the, the poet narrator, um, probably Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, or um, someone who later kind of organized his writings, is taking the congregation um, as, as sort of uh, represented by Lady Jerusalem, this uh, female voice that represents the city herself, is, is trying to get Jerusalem to understand that what happened to them um, was something that God predicted. Uh, he said he was going to do in, in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. And, and other prophets like Isaiah said, hey, this day is coming, this day is coming. And Jeremiah in Lamentation says, and here's what happened. And uh, so the, the, the kind of title or the hook of, of comfort from the destroyer um, for the people of Israel to find comfort in their sufferings, they had to turn back to the very God who had destroyed them. Something that stood out to me, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, Um, yeah. Something that stuck with me or stood out to me during your sermon is you said, um, this is, they needed to name or we need to name 
mm-hmm. the griefs mm-hmm. so that we will be able to lament. And yeah. it wasn't even, it's not even, it's a part of the whole process, but we aren't even at the lament yet. No, not really. Yeah, there there was a, there's a big tonal change in chapter 2 between verses 17 and 18. I think I mentioned in the sermon yeah. that uh, 1 through 17 is the tone and the vocabulary and the poetic meter of the funeral dirge. This just overwhelmingly sad song in which there is n- no mention of God as comforter. Uh, it's just a, it's a standard um, feature of funeral dirges in in the ancient Near East. Uh, But it shifts in verse 18 into the form of the psalmic lament, uh, like the laments that we read in in the book of Psalms. And so, yeah, that's really a turning point of the the narrator saying to Lady Jerusalem, you have to name your grief. And his specific example, I mean, the thing that just rips his heart out is, what does he say to her in verse uh, 19? Lift your hands to him for the lives of your children. Right, he's he's been having these flashbacks to um, the infants and young children who are dying of starvation after the fall of Jerusalem, and he's saying to her, like, lift up your hands, and and for him, that's the most immediate grief, or at least the one that cuts the deepest. Like, children, they're innocent. Um, okay, God's doing this because of the sin of the adults, but why do the kids have to suffer? Mm-hmm. And so he's saying to her, like, if you need a place to start, start there. Uh, and so then that begins to, to unlock her ability to name her grief. Mm-hmm. So, Joey, did you have much that you had to cut for time this past week? Gosh, you know, we got out like 20 minutes late, so I don't think I cut much. Um, you know, there were a few things that I could have developed more or included. Some stuff that, I'll, that I decided to save for when I'm preaching on chapters 4 and 5. Um, especially when we get into chapter four and uh, Lady Jerusalem begins to express not just her grief um, at what has happened or her guilt over um, their sin and the cause of it, but also a sense of grievance towards God saying like, hey, okay, we recognize that, that you are in the right to do what you said you would do if we violated the covenant, but haven't you gone a little far? Or maybe you, you know, you let Babylon come in and do this to us, but could you not have restrained them so that the worst of these things didn't happen? Mm-hmm. So it's a sense of grievance. And part of what I'll develop then is we have this really interesting contrast in the prophets that um, Israel is, is always evaluated in terms of their fidelity to the covenant and the covenant stipulations. Uh, but the other nations that don't have the law, that don't have the covenant, God is always evaluating them based on what we would call today human rights violations. Mm-hmm. So it's saying uh, you come in and you slaughter women and children. Like that, you should be punished for that. Everybody knows that's not okay. You don't need special revelation from the law to know that you don't come in and wipe out all of the, all of the male children or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll develop that more. It was easy to take that one and kind of say, oh, let's, let's wait and develop that one later. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we're in this space where um, a lot of people, I think, are appreciating that we're not moving directly toward or not immediately to hope. Mm-hmm. or to everything is fine and now we can feel all great um like we're <laughs> yes. we're choosing to stand and stay in this hard space mm-hmm. um but my question for you is will we will we hear um god's response 
What's yeah. that going to be? That's a great question because in Lamentations, in the book itself, God is silent. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not speak anywhere in the book. Um, and the book ends with this, so how long are you going to stay angry at us? This question to God. Um, which is very realistic to a lot of people's experiences that um, we we started out, this of course doesn't come across in the podcast or anything, but we started out, we introduced the sermon with a song that Johnny uh, sang for us called The Silence of God. That um, what are you supposed to do when you're, you're reaching out for comfort and the, the only answer is the silence of God mm-hmm. you just, and you hear nothing. Well, the song and, and what we tried to do in the sermon too um, shifts and at least says, um, though we may not know what the answer is, we at least know that God is not indifferent to our suffering, um, that he is not silent in that he has done nothing. We know, and we went to Isaiah 53 um, just briefly to look at this. We know that God is, um, is I was going to say interested in our suffering. That's not the right word. I mean, um, he is not indifferent. He himself has moved into our suffering in Jesus. Um, so as we move uh, closer to Easter and we get to you know Good Friday, Palm Sunday and Good Friday, especially as we get to Good Friday, um, we will certainly be celebrating uh, Christ's death for us. And, and looking towards Easter Sunday and Christ's victorious resurrection and the undoing of all of this evil and destruction and sorrow. But we have to take some time on Good Friday to say, here's God's response. Um, it's not that we take our sorrows and we nail them to the cross or we take them up there or anything like that. And now that we've given them to God, like they're not going to bother us anymore. But it's that on Good Friday, we see Jesus entering into our suffering. Mm-hmm. Rather than us having to take our suffering to him, he comes to us and says, let me carry that. Yeah. So um, just come back. People should continue. Yeah, that's right. You're going to have to keep coming because, yeah, um, yeah it's, this has been a hard series to, to preach, and I imagine a hard series to sit through um, and, and listen to. Maybe a few people are lamenting that we're doing this, but Jeff said there would be more Kleenex boxes. You know, he more. did. I didn't. You're gonna have to call him out because I didn't see him uh, bringing any more up there. I brought my own, but I didn't have enough to share. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we could have used some in our section. That's all yes. I'm saying. Yes. Um, so, Joey, what about um, an illustration or a personal story? Do mm. you have? Um, I don't. I don't think it's dumb to say a joke. Yeah, right. What, what was the joke? Do you have a joke I was going to share? Like, That's yeah. probably not appropriate. So I left that uh, out last week, too. But, um, I, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I, I do know, like, I, I threw out a few uh, jokes or one-liners um, in the sermon because at some po- some points you just get so heavy. It's like you need to, to laugh to release a little bit of the pressure. Mm-hmm. So I was joking about how you can either deal with your grief or just uh, stuff it and die bitter. And, I, you know, I don't know which is easier. Mm-hmm. Probably die bitter. Probably die die bitter is maybe easier for you and harder on everyone around yeah, you. Totally. I would guess. Yes. Um, uh, so in terms of stories, you know, um, I shared a couple of very uh, personal laments um, in yeah. the sermon itself. We cut those out of the the podcast uh, version just for privacy's sake. Yeah. But um, so of course each one of those laments has. You know, I should be more technical. Each one of those sorrows and griefs, naming them was 
the first step, especially for one of them, of, of beginning to transform it into lament from simply um, an overwhelming sense of grief. Um, so each one of those has quite a few stories behind it and around it and all that. And it's like, I could have just told a whole bunch of tear-jerking stories, but that seemed a little rough. <laughs> so I didn't, yeah. But um, the sense of... Uh, uh, PTSD flat like flashbacks mm-hmm. that uh, the narrator goes through. Yeah. Um, so my wife and I just took uh, a trip back to Dallas, Texas, where uh, I, I did seminary uh, training way back in graduated in 2010. And we had not been back in 10 years. So we were driving around the city, which it was funny. We, we lived there before we had smartphones with maps on them. So we actually knew the city. Like mm-hmm. we could drive around, just, just get on the roads and, oh, yeah, I know exactly where to go. I didn't didn't have to need a map. Anyway, side note. Um, but I kept flashing to different memories. You know, I hadn't been there in, in 10 years and, and just like, oh, I remember this corner. I, I remember walking past the library on, sem- uh, on the seminary's campus and going, oh, that desk. I sat at that desk for thousands of hours working sure. on papers and, and reading books. I always tried for that desk because it had sunlight the most mm-hmm. uh, during the day. And just things I'd completely forgotten. And uh, it did make me think. I didn't take the time to, to tell the stories at all. But it made me think of this guy walking through the rubble of Jerusalem, this poet narrator, walking through the rubble and saying basically like, oh, I remember when this was you know, so-and-so's haberdashery or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Or this, this, I don't know why that's the first thing that came to mind. I guess they needed lots of hats. Um, or, yeah, this guy's home. <laughs> this person's shop. Yeah. And you can imagine walking through streets of rubble and just remembering when you were a child playing in that alley or, you know, like when you go back to your hometown and you remember riding your bike down that street or things like that. I mean, he's he's having these flashbacks, and we all experience that. Mm-hmm. Um, but those flashbacks to when it was good before it went bad can even um, highlight, accentuate uh, the grief. Yeah. Right. So um, for us specifically, you know, we went to we went back to uh, we call it the hospital where Anna was made. Uh, where mm-hmm. we we where the reproductive technology services lab was and where we did IVF and Anna was when she was a two day old blastocyst you know so we went back and it's like we pull into the parking lot and just instantly tears because of yeah. all of the uh, memories and emotions and stuff that come flooding back from simply going through the parking kiosk mm-hmm. uh, and remembering going through that so many times so mm-hmm. yeah all those all those things are real but being able to to identify your grief with that specific time and place and event, um, like I tried to bring out in the sermon, starts to put boundaries around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, around your grief. Around your grief. Yeah. It, it, because um, the, the narrator uses this um, analogy that, that your, your wound or your, your ruin um, is as vast as an ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. Once you're able to take the sorrow, take the grief, tie it back to what what really happened in at specific times and places uh, in your life, and say this is the cause of the sorrow, it, it's it's it like it docks the grief back on the shore mm-hmm. um, where there is more than just ocean around you. Right. Yeah. And so. Um... 
let's end there. That was the application point that um, you left us with and encouraged encouraged us to name it. Right. Name it to frame it, it, you said. Yeah, name it to frame it. That's right. It's a different um, kind of prosperity. (laughs) We want to encourage... Um, our, the members in our congregation mm-hmm. to name it if they are ready and if they um, to take it one step further if they're willing mm-hmm. to write it down on one of our uh, lament cards I guess grief cards grief cards yeah yeah um, and um, so that we can as a congregation lament together mm-hmm. why don't you end there why is it important that we're doing this together yeah it seems so personal why would i want to be right. vulnerable why would i want other people to see this yeah. absolutely and and a lot of people uh may not be there mm-hmm. you know they may not be at the point where it's like okay i wrote this down but either a it's so specific that everyone would know it's me or b i signed my name to it or um we we've got about a do- two dozen or so of these cards just from last Sunday that people dropped in the box. You know, we said, um, write down, name your grief, name your sorrow, and let the community, the congregation at faith, be part of carrying and bearing that sorrow for you uh, and with you. And, and yeah, we, we got quite a few dropped in, in the baskets. Um, we read through those in pastor's meeting yesterday and staff meeting uh, in, and with our uh, elder executive board. And the the weight of the sorrows is even just with about 18 of those cards, it's almost overwhelming mm-hmm. uh, with some of the things people are lamenting. And there's a, a, a benefit in awareness that we recognize, oh, this is every week when people walk in, this is what they're carrying. You know, we're all carrying something. And often we come in and, and churches, you know, we focus a lot on the victory of mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, and that's a great place to be and to focus. Um, but the victory is much sweeter with the, uh, when the sorrow is felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I share a stupid story? Oh, sure. So, so the reason I was so like lightheaded and, and feeling like I was going to throw up is because I knew if I was going to ask people to do this, I had to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And... I put it off as long as possible. Like I typed into my notes and had printed what I was going to say, but I hadn't yet written it down on on the lament cards. These are the the four things I shared that we cut out of mm-hmm. the online version. So I'm sitting there in the front row before first service starts, right? And it's like counting down. It's 8:55 mm-hmm. and the service is about to start. And I'm writing them down, and first one comes easy, second one's easy, third one's not as easy, but easy easy enough to write down. And then the last one, I'm sitting there with the piece of paper and the pen, and I'm just, like, shaking, mm-hmm. trying to, to write. And, you know, pen's out and ready, and then I unclick it and click it and unclick it, and, like, telling myself, all right, just write it, just write it, just write it. But I've never written it before. I mean, that was a big part of the point I was making in the sermon is writing it down is acknowledging that it's real. Yeah. And I think I was trying to figure out, I was self-analyzing, what's going on? Why am I not able to write this down? I was like, well, I don't know what's on the other side of writing this down. Mm. I don't know what's going to happen to my emotions. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up and preach after this. I don't know, like, what doors am I opening or whatever. And here's where it gets dumb. I, I was going to say, so far, this so far is really it's, not dumb. Story, yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I flash back to a scene from The Hobbit. 
you, you can laugh One, if you two, want to. Is it? No, no, not the movies because oh. Peter Jackson is totally mm. blind to any sort of internal uh, struggle that happens in, in the characters of The Hobbit. Well, so I won't be able to relate. To yes, this, so it's from the book. <laughs> so in the book, you know, Bilbo's The Hobbit, right? Yes. And they finally get to the Lonely Mountain, spoiler alert, and he's headed down the tunnel and he knows that Smaug the dragon's at the other end. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't seen the dragon yet. He has no idea what a dragon looks like. He's only ever heard scary stories growing up, right? Mm-hmm. And he's in the middle of the tunnel and he stops. And Tolkien writes um, something to the effect of uh, Bilbo fought a tremendous battle in the tunnel alone. That everything he did afterwards was nothing compared to the, the struggle that, that he overcame in the tunnel, in the dark, not knowing what's on the other end of it. Mm. Um, that all the rest of it, the Battle of Five Armies and and talking with the dragon and all of that great yeah. stuff is, says is nothing compared to the battle in the tunnel alone. Mm-hmm. And that was the image that flashed to my mind was, mm-hmm. I don't know what's on the other side of this, but I know I'm in the tunnel alone and this is the most, imp- everything after this will be difficult, I'm sure. I don't know if there'll be actual dragons, but... Uh, it was the moment in the tunnel alone in the dark. I thought, this is this is the, do I keep going down the tunnel or do I retreat back up? Mm-hmm. No one would have known if you retreated. No one would have known if I'd st- stood up and said three cards for me. Right. Yeah. But, um, so anyway. Um, still not a dumb story. Still not a dumb story, but I was inspired by um, a Catholic philologist and his stories of Middle Earth <laughs> to have courage. <laughs> courage is often seen as, you know, standing up and, and doing the hard thing, the hard thing even though, uh, you know, doing the right thing even though it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of courage is um, small actions alone in the dark. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are there right now, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of people are alone in the tunnel. And um, I don't know what's at the end of each person's individual tunnel. Um, I think it's, and I don't know what's at the end of my tunnel yet either, but um, as hard as it is, it's better than turning around and going back. Mm-hmm. That's your, do you want that? Yeah, we can just, nugget? let's end that. Let's end with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you guys for um, listening to a little bit of a longer podcast. We're glad that you joined us. And, um, as always, if you have questions after hearing one of our pastor sermons on Sunday, don't hesitate to send us a message, an email, um, or comment on our posts. So uh, that's something that we can bring up and cut for time. And feel free to share this podcast with others or leave a review so our content is uh, more easy to find for other people looking for a church and um, things like the wisdom that our pastors have to share. So uh, that's all for us today, and we will be back here next week with Pastor Jeff. Mm